InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. A recent study suggests that a lack of affordable housing can result in a cascading effect on renters. And here to discuss this is Gary Painter, a professor of real estate at the University of Cincinnati. He is the academic director of the real estate program at the University of Cincinnati's Carl H. Linder College of Business and professor of real estate and the inaugural holder of the Bear Chair in Real Estate. Professor, when housing isn't affordable, your research suggests that people are forced to make trade-offs. Can you specify what types of trade-offs they might make? Those trade-offs are actually in kind of two buckets, if you will. The first just has to do with the fact if I don't have enough money to make my bills this month, then you're going to cut back somewhere else. So you might cut back on food purchases. You might cut back on health care. You know, lots of possibilities. I won't buy new clothes or something for my kids, etc. And so we observed that and we have known for a while in research that households manage their budgets when they're under these severe constraints in order just to make the monthly bills. But the second set of shifts in consumption or lifestyle choices perhaps have longer-term implications. And that's what we called in the study a functional adjustment. So, for instance, you either took on a second job or perhaps added hours to your current job. So you're working not 40 hours a week anymore, but 50 or 60 hours a week. Or also we observed that people were commonly bringing in additional adults to help pay the bills within the housing unit. Those might have been family members, but they might have been unrelated individuals where you maybe just rented a room in your house so that you could get more income to pay the bills. Wow, those are significant impacts. Your study keys in on households spending more than 30% of their income on rent. How did you choose that threshold? Well, that threshold has been a focus of federal policy for quite a while. In fact, federal housing subsidies, whether they're in public housing or whether they're people are receiving housing choice vouchers, have focused on the fact that we don't want people who are low income to have to pay more than 30% of their income as rent. And the reason is, is there's been a series of studies that shows that when families spend more than 30% of their income as rent, that children don't do as well in school, that there are more health issues in and among the family members. And so that threshold has been a focus of federal policy for quite a while. Even those who weren't classified as rent burdened reported making consumption cutbacks in the two years prior to your survey. Did that surprise you? It surprised me to some extent, but I think what it showed in ways that we had not ascertained previously was that what a lot of families are doing is they're making this combination of consumption cutbacks and also these functional adjustments just to maximize the potential of how much income they can bring in. And so what we saw is that some families were bringing in additional individuals to help pay the rent. And then that actually made that combined household income such that that family was not rent burden anymore. And so in that case, they were making some cutbacks on consumption and different things, or actually making these decisions to add additional adults to the house in order to maximize the well-being for their family. So it was this kind of complicated multiple set of decisions that households were making, and whether they were rent burdened or not, we observed that they were still making them. What we saw, though, is that if households were paying more than 30% of their income as rent or 50% of their income as rent, they were much more likely to be making these cutbacks and to be making them for a much longer time. 
So we saw some people making cutbacks for five plus years. So those are most likely to be among people who are paying 30, 40, 50, 60% of their income as rent. We're talking with Professor Gary Painter, a professor of real estate at the University of Cincinnati. And we're talking about a study into lack of affordable housing and the effect it has on renters. Homelessness is often seen as an effect of joblessness, but your research seems to suggest that housing affordability is a significant driver to homelessness. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, I'd be happy to. I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about housing affordability without talking about both how much do you pay for rent and how much income do you have. So you could pay three, $4,000 a month in rent, and if your income is $200,000 a year, then you can afford that rent. The problem is, is that people who have been earning kind of the median income in an area for a long time, those incomes have been pretty flat over a long time, while rents have been marching steadily upward. And so what we see in a city like Los Angeles is that more and more people are simply not able to pay the rent anymore given their level of income. And therefore, we are seeing what we see in Los Angeles, for instance, is just a sharp rise in homelessness due to economic factors and not due to, you know, severe mental illness or addiction as the primary driver of first time homelessness. Some of these areas we're talking about have tremendous economic prosperity. It seems like it's sort of ironic, but the prosperity may be contributing to the housing affordability crisis. Am I right? Of course, with anything where there's economic dynamics happening, we have to, you know, take a step back to kind of see, well, how did we get here? And you're right that a place like Los Angeles or San Francisco, Chicago, et cetera, are places that have robust economic growth in a lot of different sectors of the economy. And there are people who are, you know, quite wealthy in these places. But it's certainly true in West Coast cities that we have simply not built enough housing to keep up with population growth. So as an economy is thriving, as jobs are booming, then people want to live there. And if people want to live there and we don't build any additional housing, the only thing that can happen is that prices of those rents or people who are wanting to own homes are going to go up. And what we've seen is that those home prices and rents are going up faster than people's incomes. And so in some sense, perhaps we're not thriving enough in a place like Los Angeles. Otherwise, people's incomes would be able to keep up with the rents. Are there any proactive measures or solutions you'd suggest to policymakers to address the issue of housing affordability? Well, I think first and foremost, we have to make sure that we're building sufficient housing to meet the population in areas. And there's just way too many places, especially in large cities on the West Coast, that have for decades simply not built enough housing. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, we have to think about considering how we can subsidize extremely low-income individuals in ways outside of federal programs. Federal programs are targeted to make sure that people pay less than 30% of their income as rent specifically for families. And in those cases, the problem there is that there's just insufficient funding for all the people who have needs. So if you're in a place like Los Angeles, only one in five families that qualify for this assistance actually receive it. And so if we're trying to prevent homelessness, we have to really focus on those people who are on the waiting list. And specifically, those people are paying more than 50 or 60% of their income as rent. It's this group of people who are, in many ways, as we saw in the study, kind of one expense away 
from not being able to pay the rent. What we found in our study is that if someone had a $400 emergency expense, we found that 22.75% of the sample simply could not cover that. They would not be able to pay the rent, and then you know they may face eviction. Gary Painter, professor of real estate at the University of Cincinnati, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be with you. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.